Schofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Four o'clock hours here. Reno's in. Vegas is in. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Willie Cofield, RE, Big Four, four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. Man, 2023 New Year's resolution. Whatever happened to our constant discussion, sometimes entertaining, sometimes lame, of National Food Days? You pointed one out that's coming up. Actually, I know a couple that are coming up. Next week is National Bagel Day. I'm very excited for that one, but. We've got National Spaghetti Day. When? Today. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I might have to have some pasta. Wait, that's not good enough. That's not spaghetti. I, I, I. Do you I, have to have spaghetti today? Yeah, I didn't. You didn't? No. But you had pasta. Lasagna, bolognese. Cheese, meat? Mm. Which one? Uh, bolognese is with the meat sauce, Steven. Yeah, meat, meat, no, meat, 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 meat in the layers or cheese? Oh, no, meat with the layers really? and, the, and the nice ragut over I'm not a, I'm not a meat lasagna At guy. my spot. Oh, it was tremendous. Was it? I had a nice pasta fajoule to start. That's beautiful. And then the uh, the lasagna. And, uh, yeah, it was strong. I thought about it. I looked at it. I looked at it several times. I was like, do I want to get it? Spaghetti, add the meatball. I just wasn't feeling it. But I still, it's sort of like, you know... I honored it by going to its cousin's house, so I just you know had the lasagna. It was nice, and and the and and my server she she decided for me. Unfortunately, though, it would not have been. It would have been a form of spaghetti. The other choice was the linguine sausage ragu, but I didn't go with that. Linguine sort of it's it, you know it's just a it's a fatter spaghetti. Yeah, I think I'm off almost all spaghetti. All spaghetti? It doesn't hold anything well. Doesn't hold the sauce well. Oh, need, you're off all spaghetti. Yeah, like I'm not. I just I'm just very anti spaghetti. Oh. If there's if I see spaghetti noodles in anything, yeah. like even like a, like a Thai chicken, I'm like eh, put rigatoni in there. I want something else. Put some penne in there. A little penne. Little I want rigatoni. I want something else. I will say, recent discovery of bucatini, mm. which are like um, just a lot thicker, grabs a lot more. That's why I like with the remember we had the, the, the mac and cheese conversation instead of doing the elbows. Right when I accuse you of not knowing how to Yeah, you do I the, actually didn't accuse you. All I said was do you know how to make mac and cheese? Most skip, most people don't skip, make skip, good mac if and you cheese. Would let me Let's not over rip up on that wound again. Let me finish my monologue, Skip. Uh there's the different twirls, the different forms of pasta with the twirls that have the ridges because it holds the sauce. That's why people do it. And that's why it's important for when after you drain your pasta is to ladle some of that water into your sauce and stir it around because the starch helps bind it and then it sticks in the ridges of yep. some of the, the pasta that you use. Well, I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. So, by the way, I'd like, David to make, Pasch- I'd like to make this segue first. What is your most prized possession that is like of a statue of Willie? Do you have anything like that? Like, do you even just like a big W in the house? Yeah. Do you have anything that yeah. reps you? Yeah. Okay. It's a it's an old Washington Redskin hat and it says WR. Okay. All so, right. I mean that would I, be I guess other than that it'd be all perfect stuff. I actually got a bobblehead doll of me. Oh, Someone boy. gave it to me. So I kind of like that. Mm. Um, but I got to tell you you were just going to mention uh pastor, right? Yeah, As they, I, I, that's I don't know what accent that is, but when I hear Boston people say pastor neck, um I'm looking at a picture of this <laughs> NHL player holding <laughs> 
a pasta statue of himself. I love this so much. I would love a Cofield pasta statue. I, I am so upset with the headline. The David Pasternak spaghetti sculpture has entered the chat of most horrifying statues in sports. Now, I think it is remarkable how it's awesome. Yeah, they took it's an. It, it, you know what it looks like? It looks like when you pour out spaghettios at the can and it's all full of the, the gelatin, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and it's all formed together. Yeah. That's what this looks like, and it's a statue of him. It looks like they just took lacquer and hardened it. Great, made a spaghetti and sauce of him. I loved it because they call him pasta. I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah, I got that. I got that connection. Looking, yeah, just in case. I, you're right. You're right. I'm not as big a hockey guy as you are. When pasta, that's, that's the tweet was when pasta met pasta, a winter classic surprise for David Pasternak. Awesome stuff. Number three. We're going to be revisiting a lot of what happened this season and before the season and this past off season mm. with the Raiders. KJ Wright was doing so. You remember he was in for a year last year with the Raiders and was on a radio show and they started to get into, hey, what would have happened if Passaccia was just kept? If Rich Passaccia was still there, what do you think this team would have done this year? They would have been phenomenal. They would have been really good. It's a, they bought into his style. He held guys accountable. When we when Derek Carr played bad, he put it on the board like, hey, this is what you're doing. I need you to do way better in this, in this aspect. He came into the defensive meeting rooms. He's in the special teams meeting rooms. That team would have still been great, but you know, we can't cry over spill milk. Josh McDaniels is there, and it's been a complete disaster so far. And so I do believe that he's, McDaniels is going to be there next year. He just got to get his guy in at quarterback to make this thing look good. Okay. At the beginning of that comment, was he suggesting that Basaccia held guys accountable like Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels has not? It sounded like that. It sounded like it was, there was an immediate... I don't want to use the word finger pointing, but there was a, there wasn't a you know there was a it sounds like there was a specific type of meeting in where things were put 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 forth. Now where he is, how he knows that that's not taking place here. If he's assured that that doesn't the same type of meeting doesn't take place, that tells me that possibly he's got some moles that he still is talking mm-hmm. to here. Well, people talk to people, right? Sure. It's not like all. All channels of communication shut down around the NFL. Number two. Devonta Adams has spoken today, yesterday. Everything was uh, kind of shut down with what was going on with DeMar uh, Hamlin. We'll get to more KJ Wright comments a little later. Um, but with uh, Devonta Adams, he got a chance to speak today because everyone's been waiting here. Hey, let's get some reaction to uh, Derek Carr because now it's really looking like there's some finality to it especially since David Carr came out and said Derek's looking for this and that and basically it's hey he's moving on yep. so did Adams come out and say hey you know what I came here for Derek Carr I'm leaving no okay he didn't as a matter of fact he just he said that it's no secret that um, he said I wouldn't have ended up here if Derek wasn't here but it doesn't necessarily mean that I won't be here in the event that he's not here my dream was to play for this team before he was a Raider, obviously, and at this point, I want to try to make this thing work. Bottom line is, he said, he told the media, he wants input in the quarterback decision this offseason, and he'll be staying put in 2023. So, everybody, including you, Willie Ramirez, that said Devontae Adams is headed out the door because of the way that it sounded on his Instagram post, so I assumed... Or I speculated. That sounds like he's ready to go. Um, It sounds like he's staying. But he's also taking a stand and saying, hey, 
I'm the guy that you brought in here without saying, and he, and I can't ever see him saying that because in just in talking to him for the last, however many months since he's been here, not his style, but I'm the best receiver in the NFL. And that was, 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 was in your eyes. That's why I'm here. So now you push my guy out. I want input on who's going to be throwing the ball to me. I want to know that I can have that chemistry and that, you know, because I feel that Derek Carr and him had the chemistry that they talked about they had. It was more so the system that wasn't working, the play calling that wasn't working, and some of the decisions that Derek Carr made under pressure. Number one. So with Derek Carr away from the team and then David Carr commenting that he's looking for another team and a stable owner to management relationship, which I thought was kind of a weird comment about the Raiders right now. The discussion has begun. Where will Derek Carr land? Who holds the cards in this whole thing? Is it the Raiders or Derek Carr? Derek Carr. Because he's got the no trade clause. So, and I think that the reality is the Raiders want to get something out of this. With everything that they gave up to get what they've got during this offseason, I think I think Carr can hold the car, you know, a lot of car in there, but Carr holds the cards for the future his future and what the Raiders end up doing with him. If you're just going to release the, your 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 nine year veteran, where you could you could get something out of it, um, I don't think that they want to do that. And There's, I think they can work amicably amicably. Um, you know, once they get past his hurt, his shame, okay. his humiliation. So amicable split. Mike yes. Florio from Pro Football Talk says, "If I'm Carr, no interest." Main reason that I believe they're not going to be able to trade him is they have to get some cooperation from Carr to trade him. And why would Carr cooperate with them at this point? I know I wouldn't. Right. And I'm not going to criticize him if he doesn't. What he should say to the team is, and I wrote this yesterday, one, cut me, or two, my favorite line from Goodfellas, F you, pay me. Those are the options. Pretty harsh. Do you think Derek Carr will go that route? No. I don't, because I think at some point... Tim Younger, his agent, will. Well, let me let me backtrack. If if the only teams that are out there that are willing to negotiate or offer are places he doesn't he he stand pat doesn't want to go or, you know, like I don't think that he wants to or, I don't think he wants to go to a cold weather weather city that doesn't have a cover on the stadium. I don't think that he wants to go to a harsh market where the media. I mean, Vegas, uh, all due respect to all my colleagues, but we were all easy on I mean, nobody nobody ridiculed this guy or came at him. I mean, the only guy that asked him something very trivial in, in general was our, our guy Peter, uh, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN before the season started, and he got his feathers ruffled and told him to pump the brakes, and he didn't like his tone because he asked him about social media. If you don't care about it, why do you keep referring to it? So, I mean... New York, New York, Chicago, Miami. I mean, some yeah. of the bigger markets, L.A. Well, if you remember that that uh, that exchange, it got to a point where Paul Gutierrez was about to say to the response about pumping the brakes, or what? Right. And was ready to stand up, right. and you stepped in. In New York, or whatever, Philly, or Boston, he's not going to Philly. I, I think you'd have you'd have a group of media people who would put Paul on their shoulders and walk him up to the stage yeah. and go, go ahead, guys, go at it. Yeah, let's I go. For, I forgot. Keep me on the roster and owe me forty point four million fully guaranteed, or cut me before that becomes vested. I'm not agreeing to a trade. I'm not agreeing to a restructured contract. You cut me or you pay me. That's it, and that's what he should do. And if he does anything less than that, Miles, he's a sucker. He's a sucker. 
I don't think Derek Carr is a sucker. No. And I would lean towards him not being so amicable in the split. Not to stick it to the Raiders, but I think they believe that they don't need to, you know, have a guaranteed number that they agree to with the Raiders that they can go on the open market and get Derek Carr big guaranteed money. So I don't think he's going to help the Raiders. You seem to think he will. I just don't, well, I just don't think that he's going to be vindictive. I think this is all the pain and the sting is going to wear off at some point. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I've been in a situation where I felt uh, stung, and it wears off. You just kind of, you know, you have to. How long did it take to wear off? A couple weeks, because that's what they got. Not a couple weeks, but, you know, about a month. Go time is right after the yeah, Super Bowl. a couple weeks. I don't think I don't think the sting will be gone for Derek Carr in a month. I, I will say this: you know what's going to sting more for Derek Carr? I don't think it's going to be divorce after nine years with this franchise. I think it's going to be the fact that yes, this was his boyhood dream to play for this team, but I am a major reason why Devontae Adams is here, and now I'm leaving, and he's staying. That, that's going to sting, I think, more than the breakup because I think that he saw the writing on the wall anyway. Re, I mean, re, let's let's be realistic. I hope he did. And, and I've been saying this. I'm not saying that Derek Carr needs to go for the Raiders' sake. I've been saying maybe it's good for Carr. How long have I been saying that? Adam said before the season. So. Adam Hill, yeah. Uh, Big Four brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Good to see you, Shannon. I understand something you want to share this morning. Good morning, yes. Good morning. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. As a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear, but I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So they struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily and he was able to regain focus. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. That was a great TV on FS1. I didn't watch it. I don't watch that show, but I like watching the highlights of it. I love the clips. That's how I consume all of my sports TV. And what is unfolding with Skip Ailis and FS1, and Shannon Sharp is highly entertaining. I think it is tremendous stuff. So Shannon comes out, explains why he didn't do Monday's show. Now keep in mind, Skip Bayless tweeted out a message at uh, 6.30 our time during the Monday Night Football game after things had been stopped. And, you know, everyone was feeling horrific and shocked about DeMar Hamlin And I would say about 90% of social media that I use flipped out. About 10% told the 90%, you might want to read and pay attention a little more closely. So Shannon missed yesterday's show, and I'm guessing in large part, like he said, he was shocked, he was sad, played football, saw his brother go through something like this, had never seen someone brought back to life on the field. But it was also because of the tweet, and Shannon said it. Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yes. time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me. All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. 
Go ahead, let's go, Jan. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back, Skip. Well, I thought, Skip, just let me. I, 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 I was going to bring up. No, no I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where DeMar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into okay. your not get into your uh, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. So Shannon throws out there a barb about the tweet. Skip can't contain himself, although I will retract that the way I just phrased that in a second. Uh, Shannon gets all flustered and says, hey, I can't finish a monologue with you. I said it earlier. I didn't elaborate on it. What is going on right now with FS1 and Undisputed and Skip, I think he makes like $8 million a year. They should bump him this week and announce it. He's getting $16 million a year. What they're doing right now is brilliant. You may not like it. And by the way, they're, what they're doing, I don't know if Shannon's in on what's going on, which makes it even better because his explosions in the recent weeks are genuine, which makes it even better. But what they're doing right now, and you can look at it as gross, like they're capitalizing on what is a tragedy with DeMar Hamlin. But we see this happen Every day, all the time, to make money. People profit off of gross stuff all the time. I'm not saying the tweet that he sent out was a work, but I think the last couple days have been. And for those of you, especially in the media, your jealousy is embarrassing. What are you doing? This should be the end of the show. No one watches anyway. Right. But he makes seven or eight million dollars a year. But no one watches. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You run a board or you're a wannabe influencer without a job. You're a never been and never will be. And I'm not always comfortable with what Skip puts out there. I think a lot of it's stupid and juvenile. But guess what? There's an audience that is stupid and juvenile, not to insult people who consume this stuff, but a lot of them do. And believe me, I know I'm in the minority. But I am shocked at how many people, we're not going to use three. Uh, I'm shocked at how many people, media people, are not seeing what's going on since that tweet. First of all, they didn't read the tweet. Were you mad about the tweet? I don't really want to have a debate about the tweet. But were, you mad, were you mad about the tweet that he sent out? You, can I read it real quick? I, I asked you a question. I don't let you answer it. But, uh, you know, as we're all trying to collect our thoughts you know, hold in certain emotions about DeMar Hamlin. Bayless tweeted out, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of the game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. And the way I, I, I read that was, hey, this is how big a deal it is to just stop a Monday night football game with two of the four best teams in the National Football League and potentially not replay it but, folks, it's really irrelevant right now. This guy's life matters more than anything. I, I don't know where the confusion is. And now people have gotten all caught up in all their emotion. I'm going to let you answer before I keep going. Were you upset about the tweet? I wasn't upset. I just I quoted the tweet, I think, because I was so into, I was so riveted by Ryan Clark's testimony. Did you watch Ryan Clark on Scott Finn? I did. Yeah, I, I just thought that it, yeah, I just thought it was, you know what, Steve, in a word, 
I thought it was beautiful, the, the beautifully put in in his because of what he went through personally. Yeah. His his eloquence. Um, it was good, especially in that moment in that when moment. people were having trouble right. saying anything. What I think, and so I quoted, and I was like, "We're going, we're sitting here listening to Ryan, blah blah blah." And then there's this guy. Now, here's the thing: I think with a lot of people with Skip, it's going to sound crazy because it's a hundred or whatever it is, two hundred and something characters. I wonder how many people actually finished it and just got upset mm-hmm. when they said, and they didn't even see the part. Exactly. Because you know what. It wasn't until later when I read, I sat there and w- read it over and over that I that I realized right. he he was saying, but it's so it's it's irrelevant. Doesn't it, doesn't everyone see? And again, I can't guarantee that he wanted all of this to happen, but the way it's written is very weird. It's very strategic. He's not an idiot. Right. And then him not apologizing yesterday, Shannon taking the day off. Do you not see what's going on here? For for media people to get so worked up. And the other thing is, call for another media person to get fired. How jealous are you? Just look in the mirror. I've I've looked in the mirror and go, you know what? That guy's brilliant. I'm kind of stupid. I can't do that. Right? The, The stuff that they peddle is brilliant. The stuff that Stephen A. Smith peddles is brilliant. Now, if you want to stop me on this one, I don't know that Shannon's in on it, but like I, I think my guess is I'm just guessing here. But my guess is, hey, here's a pre-show meeting. Shannon's gonna say this as to why he was out, and Shannon's also gonna potentially call out Skip for the tweet, and then okay, good to go. Then if you're the, the whoever the lead producer is behind the scenes, Skip, here's the plan. This is what you're gonna do. Okay. This is this has shined a light on a show that really wasn't competing at the highest level with Stephen A. I mean, think about this. Think about how we, many people watched the show the day after. And and you know what? And the, the that's the other thing. People get caught up on ratings. Who cares? You know how many more people consume the two minute clips? Mm. You think young people watch TV shows? For an hour anymore? No. This this thing has worked so well. Let's go back to the last clash between them. See, the, the worst thing you want to do on these shows, and it happens to all of us, is, and I, I, I'll leave some days, if I got emotional and started yelling at my co-host, an hour later I'm like, got me. Got me. I lost. Because I lost my cool. Right? I lost. I saw that, that last exchange about two weeks ago where Skip was like, you're jealous of Tom Brady, and it was Skip. Oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah, and yeah, Shannon yeah, Sharp yeah, yeah. freaking lost it. Yeah, yeah. They've now cultivated an audience. Here's DL Ugly talking about that exchange. This guy's an entertainer, a comedian, and he doesn't see what's being done to him. And if you really have the respect for Shannon Sharp that you pretend to have, the manly thing to do is to say, "I apologize that it got that heated. That you all over me. That you said take your glass." To, then he then this when he went. Put your glasses back on. Who the f- are you to tell me to put my glasses on? Man to man in the real world, outside of that studio, that pale-ass white dude would have never talked to that dude like that. He'd have never done it. So now what we set up is a TV show where people are waiting for the provocateur, Skip, an old man who didn't play in the league. They're waiting for Shannon Sharp to punch him right in the face. Yes. What better TV is that? What, a, what, what more brilliant setup? Now, is this all gross? Building this off of DeMar Hamlin and this tragedy? Yeah. 
But when hasn't Skip, when haven't TV people stooped to being gross? It's about getting ratings and money and views for the clips. Here's another comedian reacting to the that same argument with the Skip, right? When Shannon Sharp was like, he took off his glass and you're like, oh my God, he is going to punch Skip right in the face. This guy's in entertainment, doesn't see what's happening. You? Wait a minute. What are you talking about? You wouldn't take a personal. Put your glasses back on. Ooh. Put was, your glasses back on. That was Boy, real. you know in another time what was going to follow yeah. that phrase. You stop playing at 35. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a tight end. I, I, I get I get hit, hit all the time. and you never played uh, Skip. Shut the f up. That's right. You don't play ball, bitch. See what this is doing to people? What's gone on the last four weeks? Well, it's got people talking about it. It's, it's got it's people to... watching a sports TV show yeah. thinking there's going to be a fight any minute. Right. Shannon's going to walk off the show and then Skip is done. Skip ain't done. And by the way, I don't, I don't like Skip Bayless. I think, like I said earlier, some of the stuff he's, you know, he's stooped to the same bits, but I'm not the audience. But I recognize there's an audience. That's why people want you to streamyard our show a lot more because they're waiting for a fight to break up. Is that what they're waiting for? Yeah. That's the last thing they're waiting for. This show, <laughs> this show is so lame and horrific compared to that. It just is. And like people in, in sports media think they're so highbrow. You are not talking to the majority of people who love stuff like Skip and Shannon. They love it. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, Willie, fire back. I'm sitting here spewing that uh, what Fox and Skip Ayler's are doing, along with Shannon Sharp, who may be in on the work, what they're doing. Maybe gross, but it's brilliant. Uh, I think that you're on to something in general. I don't think that – I think at this point Skip is just a kind of a wind it, wind him up and let him go doll. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to prep him anymore. I don't think that anybody – I don't think the producer of Undisputed was on the phone with him the seconds after Hamlin dropped. I was like, hey, come up with a crafty tweet and let's get things going. Let's. I don't think that that – I think that he just – I think he does things on his own now where you don't have to worry about it. It's like, okay, let's just wait and see what Skip does and feed okay. off of it and market it. We're paying but, you a lot of money for yeah. a reason. So right. tweet, if you cross the line, maybe you cross the line, but hey, it's you. Right. Good. And and the thing is, is when you go back and read his tweet, as you mentioned, he didn't necessarily cross the line. He he just did it in reverse. Let's put it that way. He, he did it in reverse. If he would have said, this all seems so irrelevant. Yep. But the NFL is going to consider postponing the rest of this game. I don't see how. It's this late in the season. Game of this magnitude. If he would have started off by saying this is irrelevant mm-hmm. instead of ending it. Yeah, this is a great study into how we consume, how the audience consumes stuff. Right. Like people are so attention, um, you know, so, so struggling with attention deficit that they literally cannot read something for seven seconds. Right. Three, it's, almost, it's, three, it's three seconds. Like, it's, we're, almost, we're, it's crazy. It's almost... It almost it, it almost somewhat Im, sort of just grabs a hold of someone with ADHD and dyslexia too because in reality, how many people read that as fast as they could, got to the word outcome, skipped over the ellipses, saw the word irrelevant, mm-hmm. and assumed that he was saying that Hamlin's injury was irrelevant. 
There could have very well been that many people. And then people are predisposed to dislike the guy. So you want you want a message like this so you can freaking flip out. But listen, I, it was an incredibly emotional deal on Monday. It but was. for people to still be tweeting out, get rid of the guy, fire the guy, I mean, grow up. Grow up. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of 50, 60, 70-year-olds doing it. Well, what is wrong with you? I mean, or, or just admit, man, I can't do that. I'm not smart enough to do that. Or I can't play the heel. I can't play a scumbag to that level. And maybe he is a scumbag. But for Fox's purposes, he's delivering. Well, it's like the movie Private Parts, the uh, Howard Stern's mm-hmm. biopic. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, you know, the, the reviews were, I want to see what he'll say next. And then Paul Giamatta's character, Pig Vomit, says, okay, fine. But what about the people who hate Stern? The researcher says, good point. The average Stern hater listens and says, most common answer, I want to see what he'll say next. So whether you love him or hate him, they want to see what he's going to say next. And that's how it was when he was on ESPN. What do you think of the uh, the two comedians we played from the prior uh, Shannon-Skip clash? Getting that worked up, D.L. Ugly and Godfrey. When I saw it, I was I was blown away by that. I'm like, man, he's even got them. Well, I will say this about D.L. Ugly. He, he, here's the thing. They got them fired up, but he ended it with pale white, pale white ass. Did he say pale? Pale. Okay. He he, said that would never happen in public with a guy like Skip. You know, telling Shannon Sharp, "Put your glasses back on." Like basically, don't threaten me. Put your glasses back on. No, I understand that, but he referred to him explaining it to the audience. Right. So, could a white comedian have said dark black, whatever? And 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 I guess it depends on the context. Probably not. It'd be uncomfortable. No, whether context would have been the exact same about a tweet or about this, and then said about the, the no, he's not going to say that, and then say you ba 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 whatever. Not even using the n word, just using those innuendo. So he turned it a little bit. So maybe his take was not just being offended and Skip telling him to put his glasses on, but a little racial, like you're well, you're wielding both, you're wielding your white power type thing. Actually, both clips did the uh, the I don't know who was with Godfrey on that yeah. clip, but. The other guy on there said, hey, that, that sounds like a conversation that could have happened, you know, 70 years ago or oh, yeah, before yeah, that. Yeah, about, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, right. what, what was Skip going to say next? Right. You know, right. put your glasses back on, boy. Yeah. That's what the, yeah, the yeah. panelist was You're suggesting, right. the host yeah. was suggesting. Mm. Highly charged stuff, but it's working. You may be grossed out by it, but I, I'm shocked how many times these situations come down the pike. And I don't want like all TV and all radio judged as a work, but sometimes you have to see the situation for what it is. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on. Cofield and Company, Willie Ramirez is here. Let's check in on uh, some Reno stories, also some Vegas-related stories as well. It's Nevada Sports Talk Hour right here on ESPN Radio and ESPN Las Vegas. Willie, bringing in one of your good buddies. Absolutely. Good friend Shannon Kelly from Nevada Sports Net. Saw her this past weekend. She does a fantastic job up in Reno. Also covered some NFL. She was down there, obviously, with the 49ers playing the Raiders. Saw her during training camp, OTAs, whatnot, with the Raiders when they tried out Colin Kaepernick. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you guys. Yeah. How's everything going up in Reno? Up in Reno, it is snowy. I flew back on Monday to about a foot of snow on the ground at my house. So it's uh, cold, much colder than in Vegas right now. (laughs) 
So we so before we touch upon the uh, the what's going on with with Nevada sports um, up there, let's talk a little bit about what you saw down here because you you were here during the summer and 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 into the preseason a couple times. You saw the Raiders, um, and then all of a sudden with what the expectations for this team. And it sort of just fall apart. So you come down, you see the 49ers, and they end up getting in what turned out to be a fantastic game. Just your thoughts mm-hmm. in general. I thought it was a great game. I mean, it's a, a rivalry game, so you really just have to throw all the records out the window. But going back to your point of what I saw over the summer and, you know, NFL draft, OTAs, and then the preseason, it was like the writing was on the wall and paper for the Raiders to have this great season. And then the way things started you know that overtime loss against the Cardinals and then it just seemed like as weeks would go on things just weren't going their way and you know it's tough that game you know on Sunday was a great one because the 49ers have been playing so well Um, but for the Raiders to go out there and do what they did with Jarrett Stidham was pretty impressive I mean 500 yards of offense for a guy who had never started before in the NFL doing it without Derek Carr even there or on the sidelines to guide him along as he's done all season long, that was impressive. Uh, You have to give credit to them. You have to give credit to Devontae Adams helping lead the offense, Josh Jacobs there. But um, for the 49ers to do what they did, I mean, in a a great game, Brock Purdy can't really write things any better for how they've gone for him since he's taken over and for uh, the Reno native Brandon Ayuk. That was one of his best games, no doubt for the 49ers. So it was an exciting one. Uh, I, you know, I said to my friend Kirsten and I said, Hey, it's going to be close. Cause she was a 49ers cheerleader at one point. She works in Sacramento. Now my former coworker, and she's like, no, it's going to be a blowout. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> so you, you were down here to cover the Niners because there's such a strong fan base based on the proximity. Are there Raider fans from w- when they were in the Bay? Are they still there? In, in Reno, does Reno have a – or do the Raiders have fans up there? Yeah, they do. I think they do. I mean, around town I've seen more and more of the license plates, the Nevada license plates with the Raiders on them. I've seen more and more of those. And I think while there are more 49ers fans, there are still a good amount of Raiders fans too. Um, maybe 60, 40, 75, you know, 25% maybe in that realm, uh, more Niners fans. But I think there is still a pretty good – fan base uh, since it what you know it is so close still to the bay when you talk to Ayuk and you mentioned you know Reno native um, what did he have to say in terms of uh, what this season has been for the Niners and especially you know having the ball thrown to him by a guy I'm sure they never expected him Brock Purdy yeah no I mean he said afterwards like he, what Brock has been able to do like this guy has been able to ball out like he's really shown who he is who he he can be and has helped lead this team into places where, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknowns uh, at one point. You know, I had asked him about playing in this rivalry, which he hadn't before, and he said, I didn't really realize the intensity of what it was all about, and people were kind of telling him during the week, like, you don't really know what this rivalry is all about, and he's like, well, I I kind of hope so. I mean, since I'm playing in it, but it was at a much different magnitude, and while it wasn't pretty win, it was still – a win nonetheless as uh, they now head back to the Bay this week. Shannon Kelly's with us, Nevada Sportsnet. Let's talk a little uh, pack sports on a couple of fronts. Excuse me. First, the 
Pack basketball team tonight, big game at home against Colorado State. I want to break down the game here in a second. You know, I was looking back on your Twitter account at some videos, and some of the videos were shot, say, like 50 minutes on the clock before the game, 30 minutes on the clock before the game. What has the environment been at home games in terms of attendance? You know, I'll be honest. It hasn't been great this season. The Boise State game, though, was better. I mean, they had almost 8,000 fans there, and that reminded me of, you know, the days when Eric Musselman was here and there was a sellout every night. But it hasn't been great. Uh, I know it's getting better, and I think the fact, obviously, that they're winning, that's only helping, and I think they'll have a pretty good crowd tonight. But no doubt that Boise State uh, crowd for that game last week was the best they've had in a long time at Lawler. When you see small crowds, who, who do you think holds the responsibility of getting crowds back out there? Is it the coach? Is it a school issue? Um, I just wonder, because at both schools, yeah. uh, UNLV's not drawing well. You know, it had a decent crowd, but, I mean, decent compared to, to what? I mean, it was probably 7,000 uh, against San Diego mm-hmm. State. That's the biggest opponent they're going to play. They've had attendance woes now for a few years. When you diagnose it, what do you think? Whose job is it to get Pac fans fired up again? Or is it on the fans? I think it's a mix of all of it, really. I mean, you have, you know, the fans that have season tickets, and then do they renew the following year, you know, or is it the coaching that, you know, is it the, how the team was playing? Obviously, if they're losing, people aren't going to want to go and watch the games because they're probably just not competitive, good games. Or So I think it's really a mix of a lot, you know, and the new athletic director, Stephanie Rimp, she's had her hands full doing a lot of different stuff since she took over in June. And I know um, attendance has been a big, big thing on her mind to try and get more people in the stands, I know for football, it was very underwhelming this year to see, you know, the, the empty seats at Mackey. But yeah. I think it's it's a mix of a lot. And I think Coach Oliver, you know, he's getting to that point of, you know, now, okay, it's year, it's year four. And last year was an anomaly. That's not the, the standard. And I think they're proving to people, though, this year of the team that they can be. And that was such a one-off that I think more people are starting to come back and wanting to come back. Uh, to Lawler this year. Shannon Kelly, uh, Nevada Sportsnet up with Cofield and company. We're on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. For you, what have been the uh, biggest surprises in this 12-3 and start for the pack? Uh, it could be players. It could be defense, offense. What, what has impressed you? Just the players, I would say, and the camaraderie that they've really felt, you know, that they've had. I think on paper, this team didn't have as much talent as last year's team, for example, with Grant Sherfield, Desmond Cambridge, Warren Washington, but just the players. And it just feels different when you're at the games and you're watching the guys on the bench. It just seems like there's more togetherness this year. And I think that's only helped them, really, because, you know, coaches said, he's like, they can only, we can only do so much as coaches. It's, you know, they have to be a player-led team, and they're getting to that, but it doesn't seem like they could quite do that last year. So I think that's been the biggest surprise for me because there have been a lot of games, for example, that Boise State game, that was so close. I mean, the Broncos could have easily won that one last week. And this is a team that has dealt with injuries. Um, they had an mm-hmm. impact transfer, you know, expected to play. Uh, that hasn't worked to where they wanted. Uh, and also K.J. Himes. Yeah, K.J. Himes, that's a huge, huge, huge loss. I mean, when he tweaked his back warming up, the Cayman Islands, and then didn't play since, and Alford was hopeful that he would have been back against Boise State. Then he had that minor surgery this past week, and now it's unlikely he'll return for the rest of the year. And that's tough because Michael Florin, the Eastern Washington transfer, 
that they brought in this year as well was supposed to be up front with Will Baker. And now it's really up to Will Baker. And while Nick Davidson has gone in and, you know, seen some more minutes up front, KJ Harms just provided a different look defensively. Um, one of the best shot blockers. And he was off to a great start and just gave the Wolfpack a different look. And now that they don't have that, it's tough. Will's been playing great, but how many, you know, how, what if he gets sick? What if he gets, you know, in foul trouble? What if he gets tired? <laughs> like, there's only so much they can do. They're just thin right now. I feel like there's good energy around the football program. That was not the season that they wanted to have with uh, Ken Wilson, you know, coming in, trying to pick up the scraps, and that's not to insult the players on the the uh, pack roster, but, you know, Jay Norvell did a real job on him. So I'm sure a lot of the fans have been looking forward to this offseason. It looks like it's gone pretty well so far in terms of the early commits, but especially out of the portal. Yeah, the portal has been good, knock on wood, hopefully, to the Wolfpack. We'll see, you know, what happens in the fall. But, yeah, it's been good so far, picking up uh, the Colorado transfer quarterback, Brendan Lewis, uh, a couple guys from Oregon, one of them, Jackson LaDuce, the linebacker, who's from here in northern Nevada. Ken Wilson recruited him um, when Ken was up there in Oregon. But it seems like it's been good, and they're putting the pieces together, staying positive and, and optimistic because it was really tough. The roster was pretty depleted. And, you know, I don't think anyone expected to only win two games, but that was just the tough tough reality of they came close on some, and, and some games just weren't competitive at all, but it seems like the buzz is still good. Um, we'll see what spring football brings. Hopefully they'll go to get a good crowd again at the spring game and people will be excited for uh, football again. Were you surprised that after the pack fell just short against UNLV, Arroyo finally beat Nevada, that UNLV blew out Marcus Arroyo? You know, I was, <laughs> but then I wasn't because of the week prior in Hawaii, I was like, wow. I mean, they, uh, if UNLV should have, they should have had that game at Hawaii. I mean, Timmy Chang inherited a very uh, kind of similar situation to Ken, Ken in a way, you know, with having a roster that was pretty depleted, torn apart, and a program that wasn't in the best shape. And I felt like after that, you know, it was, it was tough. I think it could have went both ways. Maybe, you know, Coach Royal would have gotten one more year. So I was a little surprised. I think I was just more surprised the fact that Coach Royal was let go before the team even painted the cannon, um, because when Brian Pullian was let go at Nevada, uh, he was able to paint the cannon with the team, and then he was let go. So it was interesting. But, uh, yeah, it's just tough, I think, now, especially with the transfer portal, first-year head coaches just aren't given the amount of time that they were uh, in the past to build a team and be competitive. Shannon Kelly at Nevada Sportsnet up on Twitter. You want to uh, promote what you just did with uh, one of the new running backs in Peyton Dixon. I know you just had a sit down. I did. Yeah, I just came and sat down with him. He came into our studio yesterday. Really cool to chat with him. He was over at Bishop Minogue. He had a remarkable senior year back in 2018 with the minors, and he's had quite the journey. He started off at Fresno State, got hurt there, and then uh, went over to UC Davis and New Mexico for a bit, but you know, he said there was a lot of learning along the way at those schools. And, you know, after Coach Tedford was out at Fresno State a couple years back, he was like, I'm going to go too. And <laughs> but then, you know, he said, I just kind of trusted the plan of where I was going. He's like, I thought I was going to walk into UC Davis and just be the guy. But 
that that wasn't the case and then still kind of kept having that itch of I want to play, I want to play. And he felt like he was really welcomed by Coach Wilson when he met with him as he hadn't really felt that way before with the previous coaching staff. So it would be exciting for him and just to have that leadership and, and especially in a running back room that needs some help since Devontae Lee and Toa will be gone next year. Shannon, good spot. Very good spot. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Shannon. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Shannon Kelly covering the Reno scene for us. Nevada Sportsnet up on Twitter this hour brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Offices here in Vegas and in Reno. Give them a call, 766-1400.